There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Health Essentials Podcast brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. I'm your host, Cassandra Holloway. We're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic's Lakewood Family Health Center in Lakewood, Ohio, and we're here today with Dr. Kelly Raj. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Before we begin, we want to remind our audience that this is for informational purposes only and should not replace your own doctor's advice. Dr. Raj is a family medicine specialist, and today we're going to be talking about vitamin and mineral deficiencies and how to address them. So it's no secret that a well-balanced diet is good for you, right? So we know that a poor diet can really wreak havoc on your body, and if you're not getting the proper nutrients, you kind of not feel very well most of the time. So Dr. Raj, can you start off by explaining to us what is a vitamin deficiency and why is it something that we should be concerned about? Sure. Um, I think in, our, in this time of life, there's a lot of different diets that people are on. So I think the most common thing that we see in the United States is that people come to me on a different type of diet and they oftentimes are concerned, are they lacking any vitamins or nutrients either before they begin the diet or once they've started the diet. So when someone is lacking a certain vitamin or nutrient, they may develop symptoms of that vitamin deficiency or nutrient deficiency. And in our country, it's often attributable to a certain fad type or particular diet that the patient may be on versus in other developing countries, it may actually be due to the lack of vitamin in that diet that they have every day. Interesting, makes sense. What are some of the most common vitamin deficiencies in the U.S.? I think some of the most common ones we see, at least in, the, in Northeast Ohio, is vitamin D deficiency, just due to our lack of sunlight most of the year. Um, iron deficiency is one. Um, vitamin B12 is very common across all age groups. Um, calcium deficiencies, vitamin A, magnesium. So there's a variety of them, but I think vitamin D is the one I most commonly see in practice. And you mentioned vitamin D and being in Northeast Ohio here in Cleveland. Why is that, you know, a concern for, for this type of environment? Why are we lacking in vitamin D, in Cleveland especially? Sure. So uh, most people obtain it from sunlight. That's where we get our vitamin D exposure. Um, there are also certain foods that are now fortified with vitamin D. So um, basically people need to try to supplement if they're not getting enough sunlight. And even when people are traveling to places, when they place sunscreen on, et cetera, they're prohibiting their you know, absorption of vitamin D in that way. So living here where we don't see a lot of sunlight most of the year, if we cannot absorb vitamin D, that actually affects calcium absorption, which then can lead to effects on bone health. So the long-term effects of that are, are great. And there's a lot more research on other complications and side effects of vitamin D deficiency. I think the one issue patients may see when they do come to the doctor, um, we can draw blood levels for vitamin D, but there's not a standard as to what the norm is. There's some guidelines as to recommendations, um, and patients can obtain this over-the-counter or even prescription supplements, but it's definitely something you would want to check with your physician or provider about in regards to how much you should supplement with. Absolutely. You mentioned B12, and I feel like that's a really popular vitamin that I, I hear a lot of people you know, taking. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that is and what why is that important, I guess, in our system? Sure. So the number one reason I think patients will actually come to me already on B12 is because they hear a lot that it provides them with extra energy. So they will go ahead and start over-the-counter supplements because they want that extra energy boost. Um, and so it is available over-the-counter um, in 
tablet formulation that they can come and take it in. What we see is as people age, they actually have trouble absorbing vitamin B12. So even if they have trouble absorbing it, if they try to take pills by mouth, they're not going to be able to retain that bond in their system that they need to get the energy level. So you will often hear some people taking vitamin B12 um, via an injection form when they get it from their physician's office as well. So that's another formulation they can get it. But deficiencies in B12 um, mainly lead to fatigue. That's probably the biggest thing. But there are other nervous system type side effects that people can experience. And those are things that people can speak with their physician in regards to. Um, so let's talk about vitamin K. I feel like that's kind of a forgotten vitamin that we hear uh, about randomly. What is vitamin K and is that a common deficiency? What does that do for our system? So vitamin K deficiency is rare. Um, when people are deficient in it, they may have sensitivity to bruising, people may notice bleeding gums, um, excessive menstrual bleeding in females. The issue with vitamin K, it's one of those that you want to be cautious about supplementing because of the effects on bleeding. So when you have patients that are on certain blood thinners, such as Coumadin, you want to be cautious in supplementing with that. Um, and that's something you'd want to check with your doctor about as well. So it's not common, but again, you don't want to go ahead and supplement it without talking to your doctor, especially if on some prescription medications. Absolutely. So you mentioned a couple of, you know, symptoms that one would have if they were, you know, deficient in vitamins. And I know there's many vitamins you could be deficient in, but are there any specific signs or symptoms to watch out for that might alert someone that something might not be right in their vitamin levels? I think fatigue and feeling very tired is, isn't a very common complaint, especially in the winter here, but it's a very common complaint of patients that are deficient in many vitamins um, and just not feeling like themselves and feeling very tired. People may also have brittle hair, brittle nails, skin conditions. Um, they might lose hair. So I think if someone is just feeling off in any way, I always tell patients to kind of trust how they feel. And if they feel different than they're typically feeling, we probably should investigate. Um, there are not blood tests for every type of vitamin, and, and we don't test for every type. There's so many on so many that are out there, but we do not have blood tests to test regularly for everything. So there are common ones, but I always tell patients, if you're not feeling yourself, it's definitely time to bring that to the attention of your physician. Kind of keep a pulse on how you normally feel and, and just be aware, kind of be mindful exactly. of your body. Especially if someone changes their diet. That's another very common time. If all of a sudden they've started this, you know, after the new year, they started a new diet and they notice, you know, one to two months in, they're not feeling themselves. That's just another trigger for me that there may be something they're deficient in. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Is, is there, are there any complications that can develop long-term from being deficient in vitamins or like can ever be life-threatening? There are certain diseases. When, when patients are deficient, like in vitamin C, they can develop something called scurvy. Vitamin D, it's something called rickets. These things can affect, like rickets can affect the bone. So we don't see a lot of these because we catch things very early, but there can be long-term complications to the nervous system, to the bones. Um, so it is important that patients really try to just overall have a balanced diet to prevent these. And we're very fortunate that a lot of our food is fortified in certain vitamins and nutrients. So patients may not realize they're actually obtaining B12 and folic acid and magnesium through certain foods and iodine through certain foods and products that have been fortified with this. This is not something that happens in developing countries, but it is something that happens here. So that's another reason why we don't see a lot of these diseases. We read about them, but we don't see them because our diets are fortified. Sure. Um, you mentioned if people start a new diet, this might 
you know, vitamin deficiencies, deficiencies might come up in starting a new diet. Um, what are some other common causes of vitamin deficiencies? Certain illnesses that patients may have, certain chronic medical conditions that could affect the body's ability to absorb things. So if there's certain gastrointestinal system problems, um, just to, uh, for example, if patients have Crohn's disease or patients have celiac disease, if for some reason within their GI tract they're not able to absorb vitamins and nutrients, then that will present that way. And sometimes patients may not know that they have a chronic disease, and that's when the investigation process begins. But if a patient does know, all the more reason and all the more importance to follow up with your physician. Absolutely. Another, another thing is if patients have surgeries, like certain patients that have gastric bypass surgery, that it, the importance of following up with the Bariatric Institute, the importance of continued follow-up with your surgeons because vitamin and mineral and nutrient deficiencies can occur several months to several years post-procedures. Just again, once you've affected or changed the gastrointestinal tract, you can affect the body's ability to absorb nutrients. Let's talk about risk factors. Are there certain groups or demographics that are more prone to vitamin deficiencies? You kind of touched on this if you've had a prior surgery or a prior condition, um, but I'm just curious, are like children more prone to it or that sort of thing? Sure. And in the pediatric age group, the most at-risk child group would be um, newborns that are breastfed. Um, they need to be supplemented with vitamin D. There's drop formulations of vitamin D they can be supplemented with, and that's, um, they just are not getting vitamin D through breast milk. That's not true of children receiving formula, but that's just an age group that is important to make sure they're receiving that supplement. Children in general do not necessarily need a multivitamin, but it's just the importance of following and making sure they have a balanced diet which is difficult in some children because toddlers are picky eaters, so right. it's hard to kind of manage that. So if I do see children that have a picky eating habits, I will encourage parents to supplement with vitamins. And now the secondary risk of that is there's so many vitamins that are gummy formulations, so teeth brushing becomes important, but it's a if you can get the child to take it because it's a gummy yeah. and go for it. <laughs> um, pregnant women are another group that we recommend prenatal vitamins. Um, prenatal vitamins contain extra folic acid, which is important to prevent neural tube defects. We recommend um, pregnant women try to take this several months prior to conception, if possible, just to help build up their vitamin store levels. And then we have them take prenatal vitamins throughout the pregnancy. And if they're going to breastfeed after as well, we recommend they continue to take it. So it's another at-risk group that really needs that extra boost and extra supplement. Sure. If someone is experiencing these symptoms, if they're just feeling run down, like you were saying, or just keeping a pulse on themselves and they're just not feeling like themselves, um, what should their next steps be? Should they see their primary care doctor? Should they see someone else? Kind of what would you recommend their next steps be? Sure. I would recommend they see their primary care doctor to start. Um, and just kind of write down a list of symptoms. I think sometimes patients forget all the symptoms they're feeling, and they're all important in trying to piece the puzzle together and figure out what lab test we should or should not order. But I think scheduling an appointment with your primary care doctor is a really good place to start. And so say someone came into your office and you suspected a vitamin deficiency. Walk me through how you, how you would diagnose this. Are there certain tests and what questions you would ask? Sure. Um, obtaining a history from them, just seeing how long they felt the certain symptoms that they felt. Um, a physical exam, listening to their heart and lungs. Um, certain vitamin deficiencies, as I mentioned, can affect the nervous system. So sometimes that might us involve checking reflexes or muscle strength. Um, and then obtaining certain lab tests. So, for example, we can check a specific vitamin D level. We can check a B12 level. Um, 
So checking those levels. And oftentimes, if a patient has started a new diet or has had a change, I will recommend them to start taking a daily multivitamin if I get the sense that their regular diet is, is missing some nutrients at the time for you know certain reasons. So you mentioned multivitamin. So I want to talk a little bit about that. I feel like there's sure. so many kind of so much information out there. What should I be taking? What should I be looking for? Um, walk us through like what what are some questions you should be asking yourself when you're looking to take a multivitamin? Sure. And a lot of them on the market, I mean, we have to keep in mind the FDA doesn't regulate these products. So it's not like when you go to the pharmacy and obtain a prescription medication for blood pressure. So vitamins, there's when you look at B12, there's different milligrams and tablets for different companies. So it's it's really hard for it's overwhelming when you look down the yeah, vitamin and supplement yeah, no aisle. So for peds, for kids, there's pediatric vitamins. And again, like I mentioned, there's the gummies, the one-a-day gummies. A lot of vitamin supplements for kids and adults now add omega-3 fatty acids, which we're learning those have an additional health benefit. So when you look at the label, a general multivitamin does have your vitamin D supplements, your vitamin C contained within them. So you don't necessarily have to purchase multiple, but the labels go by ages. So there's pediatric ones, some of them will say for under four, some of them will say greater than four above. Um, for women of childbearing age, there's multivitamin for women. Um, for people over the age of 50, there's multivitamins referred to as 50 plus. So I often tell patients to find those labels that are based upon age, and then you can go ahead and look for the generic. You don't necessarily always have to buy the brand name vitamin that's out there. Great. And so you would recommend that vitamins do work because I feel like there's so much information on the internet that's like, you should be getting all your vitamins from food, but you recommend you do take a multivitamin. I, I would recommend if you are, if you do not have a balanced diet or if you're trying a new diet where you might be missing some things, then I would recommend taking a multivitamin. So it's not necessary for everyone to be on one, but um, if you're not having a well-balanced diet, which means fruits, vegetables, whole grains, then you really should consider starting a multivitamin. Absolutely. And so I want to talk about treatment now. So if someone came into your office and you, um, let's say they were deficient in vitamin D, kind of what, what would treatment look like? So for vitamin D, if we order a lab test and if it's at a certain level that's low enough, there's a prescription strength that we will do for about two months and then we'll switch them to an over-the-counter strictly vitamin D supplement. Um, when we talked about a multivitamin, there is a certain amount of vitamin D in a multivitamin, but it's not enough oftentimes for people that are deficient in it. So we will have to add a second vitamin D supplement. Um, so I think it's important just to note if we have to order that separate one, sometimes even the multivitamin doesn't have enough if people are deficient in something. So they'll have to double up, obviously. Exactly. Okay. And it's not always long-term. It's just until they build up to the stores and we can check those levels. Oftentimes... I've kind of reduced the amount of times I'm checking vitamin D because I assume most people here just are not getting enough. Yeah. And it's not a, it's an expensive lab test to order, and it's not necessarily one you want to keep ordering every three to six months because there is a cost to the patient. What about some negative consequences of, you know, say I diagnosed myself with vitamin D. I was just feeling tired. Maybe I didn't go to the doctor, and so I started taking extra vitamin D. Is there anything negative that could happen? Are there complications? Could I overdose on a certain vitamin? There are some studies that show like there's a cutoff or a threshold for vitamin D. And I think what I've seen in practice is so many people, at least here, are deficient in it. I have not seen people harmed from it, but it still is a potential risk. So that's why I would not recommend you just go and start the maximum dose of over-the-counter separate vitamin D on your own without talking to your primary care doctor first, because 
too much is not a good thing also. You're not necessarily, if you're feeling very tired, it's not the more is better philosophy. It really won't work and you could harm yourself. And that's especially important if you're on other prescription medications that could affect the absorption. Um, there are certain medications, for example, patients that may take thyroid medications that need to be spaced out time-wise from vitamins and supplements. So that's something that you would want to check with your doctor. You could affect the body's ability to absorb those over-the-counter vitamins, and you could also affect your ability to absorb the prescription medicine that you're taking. Does it take a while for, say I started taking B12 because I wanted more energy? Would I see the effects right away or would it take a little bit for that to build up in my system? It usually takes several weeks for it to build up in your system. Even, I always keep going back to vitamin D, but once I start someone on it, I won't recheck it for several months later because it does take a while for the body to build up its depleted stores. Makes sense. So the last thing I want to talk about here is prevention. If you've identified as being maybe at risk or maybe you're getting a little bit older or maybe you live in Cleveland and it's gloomy for most of the year, what advice uh, to prevent vitamin deficiencies do you have? What would you tell a patient, you know, prevention matters, you know, kind of talk us through that. Sure. So I always start with diet. Um, we're trained in the philosophy that food is medicine now, and we have to look at what we're taking in. And so I think I always start with really trying to make sure people are eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, and that you're balancing that throughout the day to get fruits, vegetables, meat, fish. And if people do have certain dietary restrictions, whether you know their own beliefs or dietary restrictions based upon health conditions, you can work with your physician to figure out healthier alternatives. Or you can work with a nutritionist or a dietitian as well just to help you try to obtain it from your diet. The body really does best to absorb vitamins and nutrients from natural sources from our diet. So that is always what I counsel patients. First and foremost, we really want to try to work to obtain it that way. If we can't, then we start a daily multivitamin. And then we can start to dive deeper if we need to go to specific vitamin deficiencies and then add those supplements in addition to the multivitamin. Great. That's great advice. Thank you. So that's all the time we have today. Thank you, Dr. Raj, for joining us. Thank you for your time. To make an appointment with Dr. Raj or another family medicine physician, call 866-320-4573 or visit clevelandclinic.org slash communitycare. If you want to listen to more Health Essentials podcasts from Cleveland Clinic experts, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from or visit clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcasts. And don't forget, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, all one word, to stay up to date on the latest health tips, news, and information. Thanks for listening. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.